Hello, my friends. Today we're going to be reading from Maria Valtorta, The Poem of the Man-God, Volume 1, and we'll be reading about the presentation of Jesus in the temple. Mary, dressed in white with a blue mantle, and Joseph, dressed in a pale brown, uh, bring their baby gently and carefully to the temple for his presentation. Mary offers the child, who has woken up and is turning his innocent eyes toward the priest with the astonished look of infants a few days old. The priest takes him in his arms and raises him, with arms fully stretched out towards the temple, standing against the kind of altar placed on top of the steps. The rite is over. The child is handed back to his mother, and the priest goes away. There is a group of onlookers, Amongst them a little old man, bent with age and limping. He makes his way, leaning on a stick. He must be very old, I would say over eighty. He goes near Mary and asks her to give the child to him for one moment, and Mary satisfies him, smiling. Simeon is not of the sacerdotal class. He is not a priest. Instead, he is a simple believer. He takes the child into his arms and kisses him. Jesus smiles at him and seems to be watching him inquisitively. The old man is crying and laughing at the same time. I hear the words of the holy old man, and I see the astonished gaze of Joseph, the deeply moved look of Mary, as well as the glances of the little crowd, partly surprised and moved, partly laughing at the words of the old man. Amongst the latter... There are some bearded and conceited members of the Sanhedrin who shake their heads, giving Simeon an ironic, pitying look. They must think he is a dotard. I'm to read to you from the Holy Bible just what the words Simeon had said. He said that it was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thine salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary's smile fades into paleness when Simeon mentions sorrow, although she knows that word pierces her soul. She goes closer to Joseph to be comforted. She presses her child to her breast passionately, and like a thirsty soul, she takes in the words of Anna of Phanuel, who, being a woman, has mercy on her suffering, and promises her that the Eternal Father will soothe the hour of sorrow with a supernatural strength. Woman, says Anna, he who gave a saviour to his people will not lack the power to send his angel to console your tears. The great women of Israel 
never lacked the help of the Lord, and you are far greater than Judith and Jael. Our God will give you a heart of the most pure gold to withstand the storm of sorrow, so that you will be the greatest woman in creation, the mother, and you, child, remember me in the hour of your mission. Now Jesus is speaking to us, and he says, Two teachings, applicable to everybody, derived from the description given by you. The former, truth is not revealed to a priest engrossed in rites, but absent with his spirit. It is instead revealed to a simple believer. So here Jesus is mentioning that the priest who held the Savior in his arms, who consecrated him, didn't, did not observe, did not realize that he was holding the, the Son of God. But a simple believer understood with his soul that the Christ child was in his presence. Jesus continues, The priest, always in contact with divinity, devoted to what concerns God, and to everything which is above the flesh, should have realized at once who was the child who was being offered that morning in the temple. But it was necessary for him to have a living spirit in order to realize it. A mere robe covering a drowsy spirit, if not a dead spirit, was not sufficient. The Spirit of God can thunder if it wants, and rouse like a thunderbolt, and shake like an earthquake the dullest spirit. It can, but generally, as it is an orderly spirit, as God is order in each person and way of acting, it inspires and speaks, not where there is sufficient merit to deserve its effusion, in which case its effusions would be most rare, and not even you would know their light, but where it sees the good will to deserve such effusion. How is such will exerted? With a life devoted as far as possible, entirely to God, in faith, obedience, purity, charity, generosity, and in prayer. Not in practices, but in prayer. There is less difference between night and day than there is between practices and prayer. The latter is a communion of the Spirit with God, from which you emerge with fresh strength and a decision to belong more and more to God. The former are common habit exerted for various purposes which are always selfish, and they leave you exactly as you were. Nay, they aggravate your burden with the faults of falsehood and sluggishness. Simeon had such good will. He had not been spared troubles and trials in his life, but he had not lost his good will. Age and misfortunes had not impaired or shaken his faith in the Lord and in his promises. Neither did his good will to be more and more worthy of God tire or falter. And God sent him the ray of the Spirit to guide him to the temple that he might see the light that had come to the world before his eyes of a faithful servant closed to the light of the sun, awaiting to be reopened to the Son of God, glowing in the heavens, which I had reopened when I ascended after my martyrdom. Prompted by the Holy Spirit, says the Gospel, Oh, if men only knew what a perfect friend the Holy Spirit is, what guide, what teacher, if they only loved and invoked Him, 
This love of the most holy trinity, this light of light, this fire of fire, this intelligence, this wisdom, how much more they would know of what is necessary to know. Look, listen, my children. Simeon waited all his long life before seeing the light and before knowing that God's promise was fulfilled. But he never doubted. He never said to himself, it is useless to persevere in hoping and prayer. He just persevered, and he deserved to see what neither the priest nor the proud and dull members of the Sanhedrin saw, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior in the flesh of a child who warmed him and smiled at him. He received the smile of God from the lips of a child, his first reward for an honest and pious life. The other lesson, the words of Anna. She also, a prophetess, saw in me a newborn baby, the Messiah, and this is quite natural considering her prophetic prerogative. But listen to what she says to my mother, moved by faith and charity, and use her words as a light for your souls that quiver in these days of darkness and in this feast of light. Who gave a Savior will not lack the power to send his angel to console your tears. Consider that God gave himself to obliterate Satan's work in your souls, and will he not be able now to defeat the Satans that torture you? Will he not be able to wipe your tears routing these Satans and sending you once again the peace of his Christ? Why do you not ask him with faith, a real, overbearing faith, a faith before which the rigor of God, indignant at your many faults, may turn into a smile, and he may grant you his forgiveness, which is relief, and his blessing, which will be a rainbow in this world, submerged in a deluge of blood which you wanted yourselves. Remember, the Father, after punishing men with the deluge, said to himself and to his patriarch, Never again will I curse the earth because of man, because his heart contrives evil from his infancy. Never again will I strike down every living thing as I have done. And God has been faithful to his word. He has not sent a deluge again. But how many times have you said to yourselves and to God, If we are spared this time, if you save us, we shall never make wars again, never again. And after, you have always made more terrifying ones. How many times, O oh false men, who have no respect either for God or for your own word! And yet God would help you once again, only if the large mass of the faithful would invoke him with faith and ardent love. Lay your worries at the feet of God, you who are too few to counterbalance the many who keep God's rigor alive, you who have remained devoted to him, notwithstanding the dreadful times which are increasing from day to day. He will send you his angel, as he sent the Savior to the world. Do not be afraid. Be united to the cross. It has always defeated the snares of the demon, who, with the cruelties of men and the sadness of life, endeavors to drive to desperation, that is, to separation from God, the hearts he cannot conquer in any other way.
So here the Lord is telling us, have faith, have powerful faith and love in God. Do not let your hard times, your troubles, your challenges in life separate you from God. That is what the devil does. He's pushing you away from God. He's telling you to blame God for your troubles and your trials. He's separating your soul from God. That is his number one job in this world, is to steal souls from God. Jesus reminds you, cling to God, hold to God, hope in God, and he will send his angel to help you to get through any difficulty that you experience in your life. Go in peace.